so we're going to get into the word. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the word of your grace that allows us to be able to hear. We thank you, Lord, that there is a grace to hear. You provided us the ability to hear. It's so awesome. You've taken care of everything for us. So we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word today, receive it, act on it, prosper in it, be blessed by it, that that word will not return void, but it will accomplish what we have spoken it will do in our lives, and you have spoken over us, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. So Proverbs 4, 20 says, my son, attend to my words, and climb your ear to my sayings. Any of you parents ever told your kids that? They come home and say, my teacher says, so no, that's wrong. Listen to me. I'm your mom. I'm your daddy. Or they go and get with, with some friends, you know, get new friends, and all of a sudden the friends are telling them different things. No, you listen to me. And that's what God's saying here. You listen to me. Don't listen to the doctor, the devil, anybody. You listen to me. And he says, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. In other words, look at the word all of the time. Keep it, let that be in front of your eyes. And, and don't let it depart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You keep it in front of your eyes, it will get in your heart if you don't fight it. And he says, for they are life to those that find them, and health or medicine to all your flesh. There is no flesh that God can't heal. Amen? No flesh that he can't heal. People say, well, you know, I got... Uh, you know, it's, sickness runs through my family. What family are you talking about? It ain't running through this family. We're the family of God. Amen? So you make up your mind what family you belong to, and you'll get the benefit of the provision for that family. Amen? We've got to forget all this nonsense of, you know, generational curses and all that stuff. It's a new generation. Amen? You're a chosen generation. You're not a cursed generation. Now, I admit there, if you're not in covenant with God, that stuff will run through everybody. But you don't have to receive it. You don't live in the curse. You live in the blessing. That's you're redeemed from the curse. So anyway, if you'll turn to Mark chapter 10, we're going to talk about owning your healing. You must own your healing. You must own your healing. Praise God. That one leper that... that uh, prophet waller spoke of earlier that one leper owned his healing he didn't have to wait for a man to confirm it he owned it right then and there sometimes it's good just to do things by faith and not have a lot of men's rules and regulations hanging over your head you know what i'm saying and you know to go into the priest that was the old covenant but Jesus told them, you know, just to go and show themselves. And the one that was living out of faith entirely looked around and saw he was healed. Jesus said, no, you, you don't have to go there now. You know you're healed. And so that, that healing gets confirmed. We have a confirmation of faith inside of us when we're healed. Amen. So in Mark 10, verse 46, I'm talking about Bartimaeus here. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm having peppermints for breakfast, but <laughs> sorry about that. It's in uh, Mark chapter 10, verse, starting in 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, 
the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, you know, Jericho really was a cursed city. It wasn't supposed to be raised up again. But people raised it up in disobedience. You know, the Lord said that they would, uh, the firstborn would have to be sacrificed to have that, that city raised up again, and they did it anyway. Uh, the man who was in charge of building it ordered it to be built. Uh, his his uh, first son, firstborn son, was sacrificed there to have that, that city rebuilt. And so it's a rebellious city. It's a city that should not be there. So you don't expect good things to come out of Jericho. And so he says, a great number of people, there was a great number of people and his disciples, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So this was his occupation. This was how he survived. This was how begging was important to him. That was his job. Just like you go to your job every day, they sat him by the highway and he begged. And that's how he got his living. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the cities that Jesus visited were prescribed for him. He just didn't go wherever he felt like going or go wherever, uh, you know, they were there were big offerings or, you know, whatever, you know, it was the place to be. He didn't decide himself where he went. He went where the father told him to go. And this is important to know because when he would visit one city or another, people had heard of him. But if you couldn't get to where he was or he wasn't coming through your way, you didn't get anything from God. Now, how do you believe God the father figured out where to send Jesus? He sent him to places where people had faith or where people where it was their last opportunity to use faith and he would shake the dust off of his feet and never come back there again. So he was carrying either the blessing or the curse wherever he went. Remember, he said he went to places he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. But he had gone anyway. Amen. So he went to demonstrate the, the day of their deliverance, the day of their uh, salvation, the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what he announced everywhere he went. And people who wanted what he had got in faith and, and, and exercised their faith. Whatever mustard seed they had, they exercised it toward Jesus so they could get what they needed from him. So Bartimaeus, we believe that Jesus went to Jericho because of the faith of at least that one person. Because if Bartimaeus was there in faith and he got what he needed from God, that is why Jesus was sent there. You must believe that no matter if you consider yourself small or large, if you need something from God, he will make sure that you get it. There are no small people to God. There are no insignificant people to God. There are no important people to God. God does not look at, he does not regard persons, he regards faith. Amen? It's what you demonstrate and what you put forward before God that makes all the difference in the world. And so when Bartimaeus is sitting there by the side of the road, and what said, <clears throat> verse um, 47, when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And this was a common phrase that was spoken whenever Jesus was uh, in a place or wherever he, whenever he came by. They were calling him the son of David. In other words, to a Jewish person, that meant that they believed that he was the promised Messiah. So it meant, and when they had so many stories, well, they had prophecies for sure from the prophets, but then they would have folk stories about the Messiah when he would come. Oh, when Messiah comes, it's going to be a, a jubilee year, but it's going to be a great time for us. They believed incredible things about the Messiah. And so when they would cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, they were calling on the one, the promised one who would come and fix everything for the Jewish nation. Some people believed the Messiah would come and deliver them from the grip of Caesar, and he would be a political deliverer. Amen? But he really came to deliver them from their sins. So the ones who were looking for things were sorely disappointed, but the ones who were looking for mercy found that he was a God of extreme mercy. And so when they would cry out and say, Son of David, have mercy on me, they were saying, Jesus, whatever I need, I am expecting you to bring it to me. I'm not looking for some political situation to change around here. I'm not looking for all my protest buddies to get what they want finally, but I'm looking for you to have mercy on me because I am in need of a Savior and I am in need of a deliverer. And so Bartimaeus begins to cry out, to him and it says in verse 48 and many charged him that he should hold his peace hold his peace well there was no peace for him this man is blind and begging what kind of peace is that see hold your peace is because that's all he had was a fragment of a life you got me and so what they are telling him is shut up we're in control of this meeting you're getting out of control here. You know, many people like to come into a church service where there's not too many hallelujahs, not too many people praising real loud, not too much moving around. You know, we've had meetings. We've lost more people than we've gained over the years sometimes in the conferences. I remember we had a conference one year and we decided that we were going to run every devil out of town. Well, you know, I was much younger. <laughs> Very a thin slip of a girl. Like, no, I won't go there. Eat too many Twinkies over you. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but we had had conferences and we decide certain things. This is going to be it. And so we, everybody was instructed to wear their gangster suits because we were, it was gangster night and we was going gangster the devil and run him out. You remember that? You weren't there then. It was amazing. But it shocked us how many religious people were trying to connect to the ministry. Now, there's nothing wrong with people, you know, what coming to your meetings and all that. But I think many people thought it was going to be church as usual, you know, getting your nice, uh, you know, your sequin dresses to come and your big hats to come to a conference and sit up in a hotel and get room service for four days and just don't be disturbed by anything. So we, <laughs> most of the people in the ministry were younger than we were, so they took it seriously. They got holsters and strap guns on themselves. It just wasn't pinstripe suits and fedoras. And we had holsters. And one of the, one of the uh, young men 
had he really looked rough. We kind of looked at him twice, but he had on suspenders and had a um, a holster with his gun in there. We all had pieces and everything, and then people came in there and looked and stayed glued to their seats, and we like the lost like half the the, the conference crowd the first time we had one. But we had a wonderful time. I did a homegoing service for a young man. He died way before his time a few weeks ago. And they had pictures. We had sent some pictures of him during the time he was with the ministry. The only pictures we found were the gangster nights. And you know, I was I was scared to tell anybody that's our church up there. I said, well, <laughs> I didn't know what they said, so I didn't mention that. You know, I said, okay, I don't know where he was with that pinstripe suit on, but <laughs> that wasn't us. <laughs> but anyhow, but that's religion for you. If it doesn't fit a certain mold or pattern that they either like or accustomed to, they don't want to have a part, any part of it. When they have big crowds of people, the first thing people are concerned about is it getting out of order. Even though it's God's people there. They always fear something's going to get out of order. Somebody's going to go too far. And so that's what they feared with Bartimaeus. They wanted to keep control over everything. The disciples were just as guilty as everybody else. They were part of what you would call an entourage now. You know what I'm saying? The hangers on. They want a little extra money. You know, they want a little extra prestige. You know, uh, I think it was James and John was got their mama to come and ask Jesus who could be on the right side when they get in the kingdom. You know, they couldn't wait to get to the kingdom, so they thought. And so it's it's like that. People have all kinds of ideas about what a healing meeting is supposed to be. Remember uh, Naaman. He thought, well, surely I thought the prophet would come in here and lay hands on me and yada, yada. He said, no, go dip in the muddy river. said, not just once, but seven times. Make sure you get good and dirty in the water. You understand what I'm saying? You do what I tell you to do to get your healing. And so anyway, it's like that. When there's religion involved, there's controlling people involved, they don't want the order that they've established to be disturbed. And that's the best thing for you if you want to be healed. Because if the established order could have gotten you healed, you'd be healed already. You understand me? So sometimes you need to disturb things, trouble the waters, come up ahead of time of the, the healing line or something like that to get your heal. You understand what I'm saying? There are all kinds of things that God will order to be done to disrupt the atmosphere. Sometimes religion needs to be cleared out of the atmosphere so that Jesus can get some work done. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's good to disturb things sometimes in the way of getting what you need from God. And so they're telling him to shut up and and uh, hold his peace, which he has none. This man is greatly disturbed because he wants to see. And so they, they tell him and he keeps hollering. And Jesus stood still. Amen. That's all you want is for him not to pass you by. He stands still. And he commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he's calling you. One minute, they're treating him like he's a nobody, and the next minute, they say, Oh, he's an important man. Let me get it. Let me usher him up here. Let Jesus remember I'm the one who brought him up here, so it get me to be the chief usher the next time we have a, a Jesus meeting. You know what I'm saying? People's opinions can change overnight towards you 
depending upon how they perceive you. When you're connected with God, people will perceive you all kinds of ways. One minute they think you're out of order. The next minute they think you're the most important person in the crowd. And so that's where Bartimaeus is right now. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Amen. He cast away his garment, got up, and came. He took off his garment, got up, and came. He came. He wasn't brought. He wasn't led. He came. How did he get there? How did he get there? He came. This is a blind man. He's accustomed to being led everywhere. But he came. Now don't watch people walking out. Watch up here. People walk in and out of here all the time. Amen. You can start getting and losing just that quick. You understand what I'm saying? The devil is here to distract us all the time. Amen. Let's stay focused on what God's doing. Amen. Bartimaeus cast off his garments and then came. Hmm? Sometimes stepping out of what's comfortable for you and what's familiar is the first step of faith in receiving what you need from God. He was on his way to being healed when he cast that garment off. Huh? When he decided he didn't want to be begging anymore, this was going to be a change for him. If that garment, what you wore, the cloak you wore was an important piece of, of clothing for you. It represented your status. It represented who you are. That was usually your most uh, expensive investment was it covered you when it was, when the sun was too hot, it provided shade for you. When it was cold, it kept you warm. All of those things are wrapped up in your garment and it does represent your status. The type of fabric it was made out of said whether you were rich or poor. Whether it was tattered or whether it was mended made a big difference in how people perceived you. So in casting off his garment, he is changing the perception of himself and changing the perception of others around him. No longer did he need to be led anywhere. When Jesus says, come to me, he gives you the ability at least to get to where he is. And so Bartimaeus throws off the old. He makes a statement by casting off his garment. He says, I am in total faith for what I need, and I am determined to get what I need. I'm not going to come back to my seat the same way I went up. I'm going to come back to my seat healed. I'm going to be made whole. I'm not going to come back to my seat in pain. If I came up in pain, I am going to be made 100% whole. This is a new day for me. And I think when you make up your mind, that this is your last day you're going to feel like this, or your last day you're going to sound like this, or your last day you're going to be concerned about this, God will certainly deliver. It is according to your faith that it comes unto you. So Bartimaeus cast off this, this garment, and he went 
And Jesus says to him, when he called him, he went, he casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, answered. This man never said a word to him. What does this mean? What's answered mean? How's Jesus answering him? Bartimaeus hasn't said anything. Mm-hmm. That's right, Miss Nola's faith talk to Jesus is listening to his faith. He ain't listening to his mouth. See, faith talks by action. Well, what did he do? Huh? <laughs> what do you do that God sees? <laughs> Amen. He's answering according to our our actions. And so he says, casting away his garment, rose, and Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do? Oh, Jesus knows what he needs. He knows what you need. Knows what I need. In order for Jesus to give us anything, it has to be lawful and legal. It has to be lawful and legal. When you see Jesus questioning people, many times he's trying to get them to obey a spiritual law so that he can decide what it is he can provide for them. The spiritual law of faith must be obeyed on earth before anybody can receive anything down here. Man, there's certain laws about sowing and reaping that have to be obeyed before God can do something down here on earth, release it from heaven. For instance, when Jesus wanted to feed all those people, 5,000 probably families, not just men, you know, but that's how they counted people back then. And so when, when he said, you know, he only had a little bit and Jesus took it and blessed it and it increased and multiplied. Now, why couldn't he just make food appear? He's God. Don't do anything. But there has to be a seed sown down here on earth for heaven to increase it and bring it back. It's a seed principle. Amen? It's a seed principle. God has given all things, amen, with seed inside it, able to reproduce uh, according to us after its own kind. So if you want food, you got to sow food. And that's what Jesus knew. That's why he asked him, what you got around here? Anybody got a happy meal? Huh? Anybody got nuggets? I mean, what we got running through the crowd today? Huh? He said, we're going to offer it up to the Father, and he's going to bless it and increase it. When the widow woman was, was crying and begging, now they're going to take my sons to jail, my husband, my no good prophet son, husband left me in debt. He worked for you. We got to have a retirement package coming. He worked for you. And he said, what do you have? God don't care about your whining and all you telling you ain't got nothing. He knows that ain't true. You telling us you ain't got nothing, but you got you ain't down to your last nothing yet. You've got something. You have something. And so God says, take what you have, offer it up to me, be thankful for it, quit whining, quit begging, quit complaining, and I can receive it. In the spirit that is offered. And so when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what can, what do you want me to do for you? He is trying to get him to express his faith so that he can deliver what his faith demands. 
he can't do it without the law of faith being obeyed. And so when he says, what could I do for you? Don't say to Jesus, you see what I need. What you mean, what could I, you know what, you understand what I'm saying? Many times we get insulted when people ask us the obvious. It's amazing what people will come with say at the altar when you think it's obvious what they need. I've had people come up on crutches and say they need a financial breakthrough. I'm serious. And it's a healing school. Huh? But they're so accustomed to going to church and nobody ever pray for them to be healed. And nobody gets healed at their church. You understand why they never get prayed for this? So they don't expect it. We all ought to be ashamed sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? The low expectation that people have when they come to the house of worship. They said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Mine. Mine that the devil stole from me. Mine. See, he owns his healing before he receives it. If you can own something before it gets into your hands, God will make sure you get it. He'll make sure you get it. Faith is nothing more than receiving already before it manifests that which is promised to us. So we, when you can use terms that show God that you know it is yours already, he will let you have it. And so Bartimaeus says that I should receive my sight. It's owed to me. I'm supposed to have it. I don't care what the devil said about who was the sinner that I was born blind or in. Uh uh-uh. I'm supposed to be able to see. God, you made me in your image. You can see everything and you know everything. I'm supposed to be able to see. And that's my healing. The devil's trying to keep it from me. I am not a blind person. I am 100% whole because you're going to do it for me right now. And so Jesus said to him, he said that I might receive, he said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, how was his faith able to go from just sitting on the road? A few minutes ago, Bartimaeus was the beggar of the town. Now he's the miracle man. Huh? The Bible refers to him as the son of Timaeus. Now, when they refer to people as the son of somebody in the Bible, that means there's some prominence there. Huh? If I was to say uh, uh, Malia Obama is in the house, you say, oh, that's the president's daughter. It's the same thing here. They describe him as the son of Timaeus. Bar means son. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So he had a, like this, like Howard Jr. You got me? And and uh, uh, George W. Bush, the, you know, the whatever, all the Bushy, you know, that have all them names behind, you know, and so forth and so on. So there's a prominence inferred there. My thought is that Bartimaeus probably is entitled to a family inheritance that he cannot receive because of his blindness. 
Now, just think if you had a rich blind man in the family, what would happen to that brother? They probably didn't own stole from him for years. He probably had a family trust fund and a position in the family business, and it's been dwindling because he's blind. So he's got an inheritance out there waiting for him somewhere if he could step out of his blindness and get healed and go and say, look, I can read this now. I see y'all have stole money from me all day. I want all my money. Probably them relatives in the crowd telling them to shut up. Because <laughs> they know they stealing days are over. You got me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. I just thought of something. I ain't going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to be good. I'm going to stick to the program. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, see there. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Anyhow, Bartimaeus, he's a beggar no more. When Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? He said that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, I got something else for you. Not only you receive your sight, you're going to get your family money. You're going to get everything because you are being made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. When you say nothing missing to a person with an inheritance, that means all their money has been stored up for them somewhere, and God's about to release it to them. See, that's God's peace. When they were telling him to hold his peace, he said, no, I'm trading in this peace for a greater peace. I want my whole thing today. I want everything that's coming for me. And I know that if I can be made whole, I will be blind no more. And so he goes and, and he, he gets his healing from God. There are several steps he had to take to get there. Faith always must meet resistance before it gets to miracle level. That's true because if you could get a miracle at the level of your faith where you're at, you'd have it already. We don't just have miracle power faith resident in us at all times. We have to get to the point where the faith is built. Like Prophet Waller was saying, it, it comes, uh, it, it is increased overuse. It's increased with time. Faith is something that's added to over and over and over again. And so what happens here is that Bartimaeus has a certain level of faith and it must meet a challenge before it can get him to the point that he can get everything he has in mind of getting. See, when you sometimes you talk, you ever talk to somebody and say, well, you got to use your faith. I got faith. Uh, they want to get in a faith argument with you. Huh? <laughs> they do. They won't get into a faith argument with you and tell you, ain't nothing wrong with my faith. I got faith. I got faith. Well, let's use it, you know, and just put your faith where your mouth is. But Bartimaeus' faith, before it could get to the level where it would bring what he wants it to bring. See, you set the, the, the amount of faith that's needed uh, for your situation by what you request. It's Jesus' job to get you that level of faith into your life so you can receive it. Just like your children, you send them to school, and you don't know what, what that means. It's 
bills coming is what it means. You know, we all know that, but we don't know how big they can get. Till they bring the first first day of school, they got 10 pages of supplies you got to buy. You understand what I'm saying? But it's up to you. You send them there to get it. It's up to you to provide what they need to be successful there. It's the same thing with your faith. You ask Jesus for what you, you need. He said, ask anything in my name, I'll get it for you. So it's up to him to get your faith to the level it needs to get to so you can receive what it is that you're asking for. So Jesus puts you through the resistance test. Huh? Exactly. He, your life, you, you said, oh, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. Hey, I like what Prophet Waller said about faith being your servant, because it is. The Spirit serves us. Amen. It really does. People don't like that word. They don't like that word servant when it comes to dealing with us as believers. So you know they don't like it applied to God. But it really is. Faith is given to us to serve our needs so that those needs can be met. And so if your your expectation then has to meet the the power behind your servant, the power of your faith. And so when the disciples said, increase our faith, he said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this big mountain here, little bitty mustard seed, move that mountain. Why did he say, just say it and it'll come floating in your house? Because that ain't how it works. And most of us who are sitting around waiting on God for something know it's not how it works. It works through your faith being increased. And it's the disciples knew they didn't have enough for what they wanted to do. So they asked the Lord to increase it. They were smarter sometimes than we are. They admitted what they didn't have. And we want to pretend like we have more than what we have, even though we don't have the goods to prove we got it. Or that we're using it properly. And so when, when he, he, they said increase our faith, he said, well, you're going to have to say, take this little bit that you know you have and say to something much bigger and immovable, little faith, move big mountain. Now, first of all, most people are just going to look at it and walk away and say, well, that seems stupid, this faith camera. I'm not going to even try that. But the people who understand it will do it because they'll know oh, this is the best situation for me because my faith is now going to meet some resistance and I know it's going to increase because it's God. And God will not go down to defeat to anything. So I'm going to say to this big this big corporation that's holding up my money, I'm going to say, corporation, move out of the way and release my money in Jesus' name. I'm going to say to my puny credit score, credit score increase so that I can get what I need in Jesus' name. I'm going to quit being scared of trying to tackle those problems that are so. That's just the same principle. That's your little mustard seed meeting this great resistance and seeing who wins out. Amen? So Bartimaeus' faith met resistance of people telling him to shut up. Quit releasing faith in that atmosphere. Everything is intact. We got the ushers all, Jesus' entourage is all around them. Everybody's looking cool. You know, James and John, their mama out there saying, my boys, look at my boys. They're around Jesus. That one's going to be number one. That one's going to be number two. It's going to all be good. And Bartimaeus, hey, 
shut up. The entourage is in town. We're going to breeze on through this town, do a couple miracles. We got it all planned out. We don't need no nasty beggar in tattered clothes running after us, disturbing what we want to do. That's why churches go totally dead. Because religion trying to control everything. That's why it's good to just start out your meeting talking about killing religion and all the religious devils get up in the room. It's all that happens. Just doing business in the kingdom. Praise God. Pray. Thank you, Mr. Garrett. That's right. We can have a Jesus meeting. Praise God. So Bartimaeus' faith met resistance so that it can increase. You ever notice when Jesus did something, it was boom, 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 all the resistance, boom, hit it, and they hit it back, boom, hit it, and then they get what they want. In real life, it's not that fast all the time, though it can be. In healing meetings, it can be that fast. People can come in not knowing anything about anything, and they sit in that atmosphere, and their hearts get open to the word, and they can believe everything they hear and receive a healing immediately on the spot like that. Then there are times when people have to think about things and, re, you know, weigh the resistance and do I still want it or don't I? You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes covenant people are very comfortable with a partial this or waiting on that or anything like that. It's, it's sometimes difficult to get covenant people to get that breakthrough that they need. But it is possible for them to receive everything that they need from God. And so here we are with Bartimaeus, his faith has to uh, hit some hurdles before it can get to the, the, the strength that it needs to be to get that blindness removed from him. So he, he hits that one hurdle, and he decides that once he is called by Jesus, he's going to establish his faith. Something tells him to take that robe off and throw it down. That something is the same something that told that lady with the issue of blood when she said within herself. So faith, the spirit of faith is your servant and it's your coach and your comforter and your teacher. So when you are to get something from God, it's up to God to provide everything you need to get that. It's not up to you to try to confess the word so many times so you can believe, believe, believe. If I keep confessing, God will hear me and it's going to move him to not think about it. Think about that. It's about using what you have under the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's why I tell people, throw yourself on the mercy of God's court. Let Jesus take care of that for you. Let him instruct you as to what you're to do. In the meantime, you just keep believing because there will come a time where the anointing will meet your faith and that thing will be accomplished. Sometimes your resistance is just having to endure but find a comfort zone somewhere in the midst of your what it used to be suffering. You can always find a refreshing and a place of rest in Christ so that you can endure. You see some people and they've been sick for many, many years. And they'll say, but you know what? I got closer to God in that time. I, there's God is accomplishing more than just your little results that you think are so important in your life. He's accomplishing relationship 
with him. He's accomplishing desire in you to fight illness on behalf of other people sometimes. John Lake said that he lost half the people in his family to sickness and he just got sick of it and he made up his mind he was going to establish faith and confidence in God so it didn't happen anymore. And the half of the continent of Africa was healed because of his ministry. And so God is doing more than just giving us our little goodies, but we see here that that it's not wrong to ask for that. Sometimes you're asking for your personal need can lead you into a ministry that you never thought you had. Amen? It happened with me. God healed me of mental illness. <laughs> it's part of, uh, you know, contrary to what people say about me my, nowadays. <laughs> I'm healed. You know what I'm saying? You might feel a little crazy sometimes. I am healed, certified, rubber stamped. You don't see no white hospital bracelet on me now. and I'm not escaped from anywhere. But but you know what I'm saying. That gave me a, a strong dislike for sickness. Strong dislike for it. Strong dislike for mental illness. Because I know it's only demon uh, demon harassment for most people. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to learn that God is doing more than just giving us what we need when we use his faith. That's his faith we're using. It still belongs to him, even though it's resident in you. But he's allowed to utilize that faith that you carry anytime he wants to because it belongs to him and you belong to him. There are times when God will have challenges in your life that you never thought you'd have and you didn't bargain for them and you don't think, you know, you should have them. But they're there anyway. And so God is setting you up for something greater than you ever imagined whenever your faith is challenged. Don't ever get sick of having your faith challenged. Don't ever get weary in doing good. Amen? Because God is doing that for a purpose that only he knows about. So Bartimaeus was... was attempting to reach out in faith and he found his faith met resistance every single time but then finally the breakthrough came where he was standing before jesus and jesus said what do you want me to do and he said he could have said can you i want to see some translations say it that way but i believe it's it's that i might receive my sight because when he owned it he got more than just sight he was made whole You understand what I'm saying? And so when you see where Jesus talks to people, he says, your faith made you whole. That's an important statement. And if you'll allow him to take you through those paces of your faith meeting some resistance so it can get stronger, meeting some obstacles so that you can fight them back and get stronger. You ever see people in the gym when they're trying to develop muscle tissue and get away, get rid of fat? They add weights to their their weight machine. They keep increasing and increasing. And then sometimes believers think you've been saved 20 years. It should be easy by now. And things get tougher and get tougher and get tougher. We've been trying to get uh, uh, seats filled in church in Detroit. And it seems to get harder instead of easier. But I know there's a reason for the resistance. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people don't understand it. You know, people come in there and see all them empty chairs and they run out the door. It's funny. People want to go to church, but they don't want to be made known to God. And see, they're afraid that if they're there and there's not a lot of people to hide behind, huh? 
They don't want it to be known when they're not there. They don't want to be known when they're there. They won't go in some place and just sneak in there and don't put nothing in the offering. Don't ever participate. But I went to church. My name is on the roll. Gotten so bad, a lot of ministers don't even marry you or marry your family. If if they take attendance to see if you come there often enough that they can give you basic services. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there are many people that don't want to be known by God. And the ones who do get persecuted for it, just like Bartimaeus did. But God wants us to know that we are loved, that our needs are to be met, and that he is concerned about everything that concerns us. So there's benefits to getting close to God. There's benefits to being known by God. You have to keep asking. You have to keep telling God that you want what it is. You do it more for your for you to stay engaged in the process. Your confession ministers to you more than it ministers to God. There are times when we'll we'll want things for a season. Well, I'll tell you a trap Christians fall into. We start saying we want something because we think all Christians are supposed to want them. Well, I want a husband, I want a, you know, I want a family, I want this. If that's not in your heart to want, don't try to lie. Because then you'll be embarrassed because it ain't come yet. You understand what I'm saying? We think we're supposed to want those things because all Christians want them. But look at the Apostle Paul. He was single. Listen, if I was his wife, I'd have divorced him a long time. What? You ain't coming home? I cooked dinner. You mean you ain't coming home? You got beat. I'm going to beat you again when you, you understand what I'm saying. Some people can't be married for what they have to go through or not in that season. If it's for you somewhere down the line, God will provide that for you. But don't get involved in this trap of being intimidated by somebody else's prayer that they want to see come to pass. And think you have to want that too. You understand what I'm saying? Don't let that be something that comes into your heart that God desires for you. There have been people who say they were never getting married. They got eight kids. You understand? I mean, illegal, married legal people in the church. You understand what I'm saying? Because they just didn't know what was in their heart. And then all of a sudden the heart opens up before God and he puts it in there. Whatever it is you say you desire, make sure God put it in there, please. Don't just pick it up because it's normal for Christians to want that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk now about the woman with the issue of blood. But you see how Bartimaeus owning his healing before he got it, got it for him. Got everything. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything was returned to him just the way it was stolen from him. In Matthew chapter 9... Did you do Matthew 9? You didn't. You just sitting up there grinning and saying, yeah, I got her now. I got, I got the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's just having a good time up here. Took everything, my whole little sermon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but we have the woman with the issue of blood. One of my favorite people in the Bible. And quit laughing so much, Brian. You're getting too much grin off of this private water. <laughs> Actually, we have two two healing examples in this one scripture. 
It shows you the difference. It, to me, it shows how God can tailor your healing to your situation. In other words, you don't have to get religious about getting anything from God. You don't have to uh, do it exactly like somebody else did it to get it from God. You understand? When you hear a testimony, just listen for the punchline. That is, God did it. Amen? Sometimes people do some things correctly and some things, and his mercy covers those things. So you don't want to be a copycat. You want to go directly to God for what you need. And so Jesus then in um, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 20, I think it was, there was a, uh, I'll start in verse 18 because there's this other healing story going on here. Sometimes in, in Jesus' meetings, there were high levels of faith. Because there were people expecting all over the place, you see. It says, while he spoke these things unto him, behold, there came a certain ruler who worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay hands upon her, and she shall live. Now, there's another example that said that this it takes up the story a little bit earlier, where Jesus is talking to this man, and he says the daughter is sick. But it's an emergency. Come and heal her or she's going to die. And so Jesus tells that man that he's coming. Amen. Whenever Jesus gives you a yes answer to a request, that request will be filled. No two ways about it. So this man gets there right at the nick of time. You see, he gets there before the daughter dies. He said, come heal her. Jesus says, okay. So what Jesus does is the Bible says he holds our souls in life. When he asked for his daughter to be healed, Jesus said, I'm coming. He grabbed her soul then and held it in life. So death can't claim her. So it don't care. I don't care when he gets there. It's held in life. It's held until Jesus comes here and completes the job. You got me? He will accommodate anybody's faith what they, they put off there because this man is owning this at the time he asked Jesus for it. He says, yes, this man owns it with his faith. Amen. So it belongs to him. This, though, is his conversation with Jesus after they come back and report that she's dead. He had people at his home. Apparently his home wasn't too far from where the Jesus meeting was. So there were people at his home watching. Oh, they get the plane tickets out. They get the credit cards out. When they hear somebody, ain't he sick, granny sick, somebody sick, you ever notice how all the people you haven't seen from years all of a sudden show up at the bedside? Well, they bring the expectation of death with them. So it's hard to fight that unless you've got somebody's soul held in life. That's why I tell people when you, uh, like believers, uh, you know, if you're going to go and visit a sick person, you go in there in faith. Don't listen to that conversation. Don't stay when all that stuff starts. You bind it up before you leave and get out of there before they start influencing you. Huh? Because it's a downhill climb from there. If that person has not got somebody with faith enough to hold them up against all of that death talk that's being talked already. So they join. They wait to hear what the doctors say and they join in with them. But once you own something, 
Once you say it's mine no matter what and your faith is helping you to own that thing, nothing can, it can't be taken away from you, cannot be taken away from you. You've got to find out, get an understanding of what that person wants. That person was uh, enjoying life. They've got children they want to see raised. They're raising their grandchildren. And I believe they want to be healed. So I'm standing for their healing. Amen. You don't have to, you don't have to use your faith for anybody to die. You got me? Don't get involved in that. And so here this woman, it, it says, uh, Jesus, verse 19, Jesus rose and followed him and his disciples. And behold, a woman which was had an issue of blood for 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now, there's no competition in God's mercy. You don't have to compete for the mercy of God. But if that was that man and that was my daughter that was sick and it was an emergency because she's dying, in my mind it's an emergency, I'd have shot that woman or punched her and said, you've been sick 12 years and you're just not showing up on my miracle day? Come on, lady, go someplace else. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if there's competition for Jesus' mercy, but there's no competition for it. This woman comes up and she has already decided that she's got to get her healing and it's got to be now. She's owned it before she gets there this man is petitioning jesus to see if he can get it so owning it now and trying to get it only it pushes you up to the front of the line automatically when you got faith for right now that pushes you to the front of the line that does not mean that the next person won't get what they need as long as their faith is holding it for them. You set the conditions. If you look at what this man asked, where's my other example? I think this will be my last two examples here. Mark, is it Mark uh, 5? Let me see if it's in that one, because I'll show you this example from beginning to end, because it's important to know how faith works. Mark 5. I think this is it. At verse 21, Jesus, when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was near to the sea. Behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, fell at his feet, and sought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I ask you, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. So Jesus is on his way to this man's house, but the 12-year sufferer lady yanks on him, amen, from behind, and stops him. Now, Jesus, starting out with this man, this man is a ruler of the synagogue. He lays the conditions for his daughter's healing. In his mind, He says, I know if he can come and touch her, she'll be made whole. This lady says, I ain't asking nobody for nothing. 
Today is my last day. I ain't supposed to be out here anyway. I'm going to sneak and get mine. I'm going to sneak up on behind him and yank on his clothes because the Holy Ghost is telling me if I just touch him, I will get it. We all set the conditions for our healing and deliverance with our faith. Don't ever be satisfied with it'll come one day or after I listen to the word for three months, my faith will be healed and I'll be able to get it. Or I'm just going to confess the word and one day it'll come. Never be satisfied with that because we as covenant people can get our healing at any time. The Bible says that. It said, less than any time you will hear with your eyes, see with your ears, understand with your heart, be converted, and I'll heal you. We need to be converted from waiting forever to getting it now. That's the biggest conversion that we ever need. It's to stop waiting forever and decide we're going to get it now. And so the man, the, the ruler of the synagogue, sets conditions according to his religious training. He thinks he's heard that Jesus will lay hands on people. You ever have anybody that's sick and then they tell you they're too sick to come to the healing meeting? We get that off. This is what this is. This is the people who are too sick to come to the healing meeting. Well, I wanted to come, but I wasn't feeling good. It's I-H-E-A-L, English as a first language. Spanish is the second, huh? Healing meeting. Hmm. I've had people to to press to get there and get healed in the lobby. I said, "Oh, you gonna get healed before I pray for you?" <laughs> you know, they get healed before they even get into the meeting. They're so desperate. I was so sick, and I just pressed my way here, and then all of a sudden, power of God falls on them right there before the meeting starts. I said, well, are you putting me out of business here? <laughs> you don't need no stinking preacher. Uh, but it's like that. Their faith makes them whole. Amen? I'm a point of contact. Well, I'm anointed to. I, you know, God uses me to do the different functions that need to be made. But sometimes people will just get there in their faith. Now, don't just do that and say, don't lay hands on me. Cause, you know, don't get religious about it. But God will meet your need according to your expectation. So you see two people setting different conditions for their healing. This man wants his daughter at the point of death to be healed, but he's too scared to bring her there. Too sick to be brought to the meeting. Oral Roberts would have people that would check people out of the hospital bed, bring them in on a stretcher. He would have ambulances outside the tent where they pay for an ambulance to bring a sick person to that tent meeting, believing that that won't kill him, that trip there won't kill him. See, anything you do in faith, you're moving toward it. You get stronger every move that you make. If they stayed at that hospital, they'd be DOA. But here, when you arrive, you're getting more healed every step you take closer to where you're supposed to be. So here's two conditions. Jesus will honor both of them. There's no right and wrong conditions for your healing as long as faith is setting the tone for it. So there's no right or wrong thing here. So this man, uh, uh, he, he, the woman with the issue of blood then comes up behind him. Jesus is going following this man. In uh, in Mark chapter 5, 
said went with him and many people followed him and thronged him and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things it's been all that she had not better but got worse when she heard that's always an indication of faith in operation when you hear about jesus and you move toward him your faith is taking you there and your faith will not disappoint you we would have people there are times where we would go to benny hen meetings we know his meetings last at least two days and i would have i remember one lady in particular uh, her daughter had encouraged her to come we were on the bus and we went to the first meeting and she got back on the bus and she was very upset and crying and i said well, what's wrong and she said i didn't get my healing and i said but we got some tonight tomorrow i said don't give up and from that she just gave up she was so discouraged she got right back on that bus discouraged again i think the last meeting she didn't even get out of you know come over to the meeting see if faith is not setting the conditions for your healing you're believing in vain see her faith had enough she just thought it had to happen like that she was trying him out to see if he had him, see if he was real, see if he had. See, you have all those kind of crazy ideas on the inside of you. That's why Jesus gave such attention to people who came to him in faith, because they were giving him something to work with. They weren't just trying out this Jesus. He knew the difference between faith and no faith and, and the tryout people. Try out people. He couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So he just went, kept moving. And that's what will happen with the anointing. It will keep moving if your faith is not extended toward it. When you come up to the altar for prayer, believe that you're going to get what you're asking for. This is your time. And that's the difference here. These people believed it was their time. So when Jesus told this, this, uh, ruler of the synagogue and that's another tip off religious people are the hardest to please when it comes to conditions for faith because they think their church attendance or their giving or their i don't do this and i don't do that they think that's the same thing as faith that's not that's just your opinion about yourself and opinions very very great Jesus is looking for faith. So Jesus went with him. Much people followed him. Verse 24. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things and many physicians, spent all she had, wasn't better, but grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. Now, she just might have heard of him that one day. Could you imagine? Going from broke, poor, sick, busted, disgusted, and made whole all in one day. You just heard of this man and you just, faith is like that. You can turn it on and never turn it off and believe totally from one extreme to the other all in one setting. Doesn't take forever to build your faith for certain things. You'll notice that when people had, uh, had weak faith to begin with, how Jesus worked with them to build their faith. That Syrophoenician woman, now she's an outsider. Many times outsiders have a hard time breaking through all those cultural barriers, language barriers, uh, all of the barriers. You know, I'm not, I don't know anything about how this religion works. 
the Jewish people, they wear stuff on their head and prayer shawls and all. I don't know if I don't know how to work all of that. So you got all these barriers coming up against you. So her faith is weak at most when she starts. But she goes home with a healed daughter. How'd she go from an outsider with very weak faith and then go home to a healed daughter? She refused to give up. One thing that she had was a determination to see her child healed that day. Not later, that day. She goes up to Jesus and he don't even pay attention to her. Well, that's a that's a fulfillment of her expectation. See, with her being a, a Greek, she doesn't know nothing about Jewish customs. She thinks if I talk to him the right way, he'll notice me. And he says nothing. Well, that's a fulfillment of her expectation. She's trying to pretend like she's expecting him to do something, but deep down inside she's not. So Jesus doesn't say anything to her. Don't look over there. Pay attention to me. I'm serious. Because this is how the devil does it. It's so many distractions. You just have to stay focused. You're here to get your healing. You're here to get stronger. Not here to watch somebody what they do. People do what they do. And you do what you do. You're going to get healed. Amen. And so when Jesus begins, when he begins to deal with this woman, he looks at her faith and he says, I'm going to have to get it from here to here in order to give her what she wants. So he sets about giving it to her. And how, do you, how does her faith get built? By resisting. You get what you think is a no. And if you take no, what did you come here for? Hmm? Didn't you at the outset believe that this man was going to heal you or he might heal you? Why would you take no for an answer and go home to a sick daughter again? So Jesus ignores her. Then the disciples see it, and they want to play Jesus all the time. They want to be him. But they they ain't got much more than she got. You know what I'm saying? Playing all the time, you know, always doing something different. You got to rebuke them all the time. But when they get in front of the congregation, they all that. So so they jump on her. Get away. Don't bother the master. This is the entourage talking now. You can't get close to him. We the only ones can get close to him. And so she then goes, she said, well, I didn't ask him right. Maybe I should just worship him, call him master, do the best I can to get his attention. So she calls him master and worships him. And she says, my daughter is sick. Would you have mercy on me? And he says, I'm only called to the lost sheep of Israel. She gets rejected twice. First, he acts like she ain't there. Then he tells her he can come for her or her daughter either. You understand what I'm saying? You can get no pity out of me, lady. And so she says, uh, he says, yeah, I'm just called for the to to for the lost sheep of Israel. And so then he says, and it's not proper to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Now, this is what Jews call Samaritans all the time. They called any outsider a dog. And they treated them like dogs. And she knows she's expecting to be called a dog when she gets around them people because she's always called that. And Jesus decides to call that dog spirit out of her right there. 
He said, I'm talking to that part of you that agrees that you're a dog. And she gets angry. And she says, yeah, but even dogs can eat crumbs from the master's table. And he said, great is your faith. Go home. Your daughter's well. You see, every resistance that looks like a no answer is really moving you closer to your miracle because it's increasing your faith. Every no answer does nothing but work to your good when your faith is in. And Jesus wants to see if you'll let your faith grow. It's not that he's telling you you can't have something, but at the point where your faith is, it's not of the strength to pull it into your life and let it be a blessing and remain there. We've all been in situations where we got stuff and didn't have the the ability to hold on to it. And God would rather have you not have it yet than to get it and be disappointed and take it away because then you want to quit forever. And so he increases our faith. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, if you get a no answer, the Holy Spirit will keep nagging you about it. You think you quit on that thing and it hasn't gone away yet. You still want to be engaged and receive what it is. Deep in your heart of hearts, you still want it. You're just letting other stuff crowd in on you and steal it from you. And Jesus is there to help your faith and keep the devil from stealing it out of your heart. He wouldn't let that happen to you. Everything that happens to these people happens for one reason and one reason only. To get their faith up to the quality where it can pull that thing into their life and it will remain. The leader of the synagogue probably had seen many people die waiting to be healed. Why? Because he was part of the gang that killed them. He preached that nonsense and, oh, Messiah will come one day and, uh, oh, you got to go home and, and live the word and, and come back again, you know, that kind of thing. They didn't know how to pray for people, help them to live in covenant so they could receive what it is, what they were asking God for. So that turned it into a den of thieves. They didn't even try to help people anymore. All they did was collected money and, and sold proper act sacrifices during you know, Passover time so they can make some change and all that kind of stuff. Jesus said, this ain't nothing but a den of thieves. Well, he was part of the den of thieves. You understand what I'm saying? He made money off people like that. He probably seen her many times trying to go to the doctor, sneak out to the doctor and call her unclean, unclean, unclean. She said, yeah, I got you unclean today. I'm getting mad now. I ain't waiting on you. Care how sick your daughter is. You better get yours like I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine today. And she meant it. And so the woman with the issue of blood, she came behind him. Suffered many things. Many physicians. Shouldn't have had to go through that. She's a child of God. The Bible says if you diligently hearken. All she had to do was at one point in the synagogue or, or somebody send her word or a priest come to her. They were allowed to visit people. And the priest come to her and say, daughter, you can be healed because you're you're following God's covenant. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, do everything that's right. Make a sacrifice if you sin. I'll take your sacrifice and make it at at the temple for you. And you can walk away with your healing. That's all that was necessary. But they didn't do that. All they did was take your money, tell you you couldn't come in there, tell you unclean. Same thing with the woman that was bowled over. 
Jesus came in there and saw her bent over. He said, he said, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, you, she, you ought to be healed. You ain't got no business being broke over like you ought to be healed. And he healed her on a Sunday. Did it on purpose. If you're, if you're a minister and Sunday is the only day people show up and you're forbidden to heal on Sunday. But that was the game they played back then. So I'm sure it did this lady great delight. I'm thinking to myself, whoever set this up is having a good laugh today. Because here this lady is that could never get in the temple and get her healing. And she pushed past the ruler of the synagogue. He was in charge of the whole mess. <laughs> she felt good. She got her healing. He did too. Jesus won't let your daughter die because you're crazy. <laughs> Somebody needs to know that. Uh, he's ever merciful. You won't punish parents, be, kids because of crazy parents because there sure is a lot of them out there. So when she heard of Jesus, verse 27, this is in Mark 5, she came behind him in the press and touched him. And this is what the spirit of faith told her. The spirit of faith told her, go touch him, you'll be made whole. Right away, the fountain of her blood dried up. She felt in her body. She felt in her body. She felt in her body. That's a faith feeling. That's not a a physical feeling. See, when there's a faith expectation in you, and that expectation is met, you get a confirmation. You get a faith feeling on the inside of you. See, when you're healed, you know it. When you're saved, you know it. When you're delivered, you know it. When anything supernatural by the Holy Spirit happens in you, it's known by a spiritual feeling. It's not a physical perception. How would she know? She's been bleeding and it might have stopped periodically and then come back again. But this time she knew it was gone forever. Amen. That's a faith feeling. That's not a physical feeling. These are things that you can't gauge physically. You understand what I'm saying? If they're recurring sicknesses, but there is a knowing in you that the spirit of faith will give you when you are healed. Don't set your expectation so high that you can't fulfill it. The spirit of faith won't do that. You know, people say things like, well, I, you know, my feet are tired and they're sore because I put on 20 pounds. You think people that you don't, you think holy people don't gain weight and lose weight? Good gravy. What are you going to condemn yourself just because of you ate too much? Because the saints have stressed you out again. They talking about you and do all kind of things and you can't reach for God fast enough and you get a Twinkie instead. You're going to condemn yourself to die somewhere because of that? You get real. I mean, I ain't saying it just because I'm fat. Pastor Shirley and I say we ain't coming to the conference fat again. Every year, same old, same old. You know what I'm saying. Listen, we have our standards. We were both thin slips of girl. Well, we ain't gonna even go there. The thin slip of a girl slipped a long time ago. But you understand what I'm saying. Some things are not pushed to your front burner. You know, we're working on it. You understand what I'm saying? And God hears us every time we say that. But but you know what I'm saying. You don't condemn yourself because of your weaknesses. You don't ever do that to yourself. 
Stay out the television. Stay off these, you know, health people, crazy health people. Always coming up with something different. Next year's going to be something else that's killing you. So just stay with God, okay? He'll take care of all that stuff. Just will. But here's this woman. She decides she's going to get hers today. She's going to get it now, and she got it. The Holy Spirit knew what she wanted in her heart, and he set up the conditions so she wouldn't be disappointed again. Sometimes it's your time because God does not want you to go through the heartbreak of being disappointed again. You got me? He said, I'm sick of the disappointment in your life. I want you to step it up and get to the point where you can get this thing today and get it now. She wasn't supposed to be out in public. She was supposed to be uh, separated from people but the holy spirit saw that and gave her away he said hey guess what you don't have to go up him and ask him for nothing i know him i work for him i tell you how to get it and you ain't gotta let nobody know you're there huh he said you know the prayer shawl that he wears he said remember what those little tassels are for so the tassels at the end of the, the hebrews were were commanded to wear where the the word of God tied at the the hem of their clothing that they wore, and they were called what was that the talit? That was the shawl. Tzitzit was that little thing there, and it was a phylactery that held the word of God. He said, "All you got to do is touch the word." Huh? Hide the word in your heart. Don't let it depart from your eyes, keeping the message, because it's life and healing to all your flesh is in there. Oh, that's right. I remember that from a little girl. Because they ain't taught it in the synagogue in so long. They quit teaching that stuff years ago. But I remember them teaching that when I was a little girl in Hebrew school. Huh? And so he said, yeah, if you touch that thing, that's got life in it. That represents life to the Hebrew. Remember when David cut the hem of Saul's robe? He was symbolically killing him. By cutting him off from the word of God. That would symbolize life to the Hebrew. The hem of their. You didn't, you didn't jerk around with that. You definitely didn't cut it off nobody. But if you touched it there was life. And as they walked. Life surrounded them. As they walked covenant surrounded them. They could feel that, that banging of the little tassel down there. And they walked in life. You understand what I'm saying? So he told her he touched that. And you touched life. And this death will stop in you. They've given her a death sentence. That death is going to stop. You touch life when you touch that. So the Holy Ghost will tell you everything you need to know about what you need. The ruler of the synagogue couldn't let the Holy Ghost tell him anything but what he had heard about Jesus through the limited contact that he had. When you're around religious people, you ain't going to get much from God. You understand what I'm saying? They don't want much from God either. But the little bit that he heard, he said, he's got to touch her, but I'm scared to bring her because I'm scared she's going to die before I get her there. But he told that to Jesus, and Jesus honored his request. Jesus will always honor your request. You don't have to wait till your faith is way built up to ask him for something, because if you won't ask, who's this ever way built up where they think they're going to get it right away? But you put your petition out there. And let God know what you need. And Jesus always accommodates faith. He accommodates your faith, whatever level it is. If it's not strong enough, he'll build it up to where it needs to be so that you can get and hold on to your miracle. 
because he wants you to have it. He's not standing there grading your faith. Yeah, no, go away. It ain't strong. Go, go, uh uh-uh. He works with what you have and builds it up to the point that what you need. He'll do it. Does it with everybody. That's why these stories about him are are step by step by step. Boom, they get it. You see what it takes. And you see that Jesus is willing to work with us. Why don't you stand up? You put on some worship music and we'll get the praying for people.